my birth mom wanted to talk every day and I don't know if she was trying to overcompensate because my mom's not around anymore or if she felt like she had to make up for lost time or I, I don't know because I never asked directly but it was very overwhelming as somebody who is used to being pretty independent it was like okay now I feel like I'm almost being suffocated Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and you're about to meet Jillian. She called me from New Jersey. Jillian found out she was adopted in her early teen years when she asked a question lots of kids asked their parents about the time when they were born. But Jillian didn't address her adoption for years until she was over her grief and past her guilt for wanting to search. She admits that in reunion, she and her birth mother had a communications breakdown that may have ended their relationship prematurely. However, Jillian wonders if her mother has told her the truth about who her birth father could be because she and her search angel can't find him. This is Jillian's journey. Jillian grew up in a small town in New Jersey. She said she didn't know she was adopted until she was 13 years old when she approached her parents with a simple but direct question. Jillian said her parents were shocked when she approached them about whether she was adopted or not. She doesn't think they ever expected her to ask. I don't know if they were ever expecting to tell me. It was kind of one of those things that I just thought of one day because I had never seen any pictures of my mom pregnant. And I asked her and I was like, you know, do you have any pictures of yourself pregnant with me? And they kind of just looked at each other like, oh, no, like we're in trouble. And they sat me down and they said that I was adopted. And that was the only information they gave me. And I just, you know, went with it. So prior to that, I didn't know any different. And because I look similar to my adoptive parents, I never thought about it. And because I live in a small town, I didn't know anybody that was adopted. So it was never something that really even crossed my mind. Yeah. Do you recall what you thought when you got this news? Because that's one, you were looking for one thing, which was a picture of your mom pregnant with you. But two, you got totally different news than what you were actually expecting to receive. Do you recall like thinking, wow, that's some big news? Or what did you think? I definitely was overwhelmed and I think, I don't really think it hit me for a while. I think it was one of those things that I was just like, oh, well, you know, nothing I can do about it because my parents just said, you know, both my biological parents were really young and obviously they couldn't take care of a baby at that age. So my adoptive mother had said that they both had drug problems and that was, you know, where they, where she left it. And that was all the information I was given. So I was like, okay, you know, nothing I can do with it. I didn't even know where they lived. I didn't know any other information. So at that age, there's so much other stuff going on in school and everything else that I think it was in the back of my mind always, but it was never something I really processed until later on when I could have like more tangible information Mm-hmm. Gosh, that is so interesting. You were at an age where you could understand it, but not necessarily in a place to be able to process it. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? 
Yeah, exactly. And I think because my parents had such little information, it made it almost like not real because it was like, oh, yeah, here's two pieces of information and that's the end of it. You know, Mm -hmm. they had no no paperwork, no nothing, you know, no pictures, no, you know. So that was where we left it until this past year and a half when I started doing my own research. Jillian admitted the news of her adoption had been a shock, but she didn't really process it at the time she found out, so her curiosity never fully rose about her origin story. Jillian pushed her adoption to the background, thinking if her parents didn't think it was a big deal, then she wouldn't either. She and her parents never discussed her adoption again. Jillian admitted that over the years, she wondered if people she saw could be her birth mother, or if maybe she had a brother out there. But Jillian's thoughts didn't wander much further than that because her adoptive parents told her that her birth parents had problems with addiction. Jillian was very close with her adoptive mother who, sadly, battled illness for several years before she passed away when Jillian was 23 years old. Jillian admitted she felt guilty about searching for her birth mother while her adoptive mother was alive. So it wasn't until Jillian was 27 years old when she took up her research into her adoption story. 14 years after she discovered she was adopted. Jillian submitted a DNA sample to 23andMe, which led her to some distant relatives. Through Facebook, she connected with a search angel, whom Jillian said was amazing with her skill at locating her birth mother. It's amazing how those people do that. Isn't it crazy? And I'm like, how, how do you do that? It, may, it maybe was like a half an hour. Really? And she, she first sent me my birth aunt's Facebook page. And because if you were to see the three of us lined up together, we all look so similar. So she sent me my birth aunt's Facebook page and she was like, oh, maybe this is your mom. But then my birth aunt was too young to be my mom. So she found my mom's page and she's like, I think this is your mom. And I'm like, holy crap, you know. So I had reached out to my birth mom and she told me it wasn't her. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Okay, you know even though we're pretty sure it's her, she's either not ready or it's really not her. And there's somebody else that looks, looks exactly like me, which is creepy. And we left it at that for, it was only a couple days. And then the search angel who I love was very persistent. And she's like, I need to reach out to her because, you know, I just have this feeling that it's her. Mm -hmm. So she reached out to her and my birth mom admitted that it was her. And she was afraid. So that's why she said no to me. And it must have been almost a week later, my birth mom reached out to me and we had started communicating. Oh, wow. That's quite a turn. It really is. And I don't know if it was me directly reaching out to her that scared her. Like, oh, it's finally happening almost 28 years later. Like, what do I do? Right. I'm sure there's a bit of a oh crap moment, right? Like I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't the kind of thing that you can plan for you know that it's a possibility and no matter how much you rehearse what you're going to do when that moment hits you you're still going to have a visceral reaction to the whole thing yeah yeah may i ask if you don't mind can we just go back for a moment you found this search angel on facebook and this person you said found your biological family sounds like almost immediately What information did you feed to this search angel that allowed them to be so effective in your search? I just gave her the information that I had found on my 23andMe, but 
because it was she was able to find my biological last name and because it was such an uncommon last name she was able to pinpoint them interesting so is it your understanding that the biological connections that you had on 23 and me were the clues that led her down your tree yeah gotcha 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 that's really fascinating right so a week after your outreach your birth mother is reaching out to you where was she like was she local and how was that conversation so you're not going to believe it she lives like a half an hour away from me wow and she has her whole life oh my gosh she grew up in new jersey and i knew the hospital i was born at but i didn't know where my birth mom lived at the time and my birth mom and i lived a town apart from each other up until i was five and then we lived you know a half an hour apart from each other my whole life wow that is unreal right so y'all i mean it would seem like there were times when you would have crossed paths you know oh we we must have mm -hmm. but you're not particularly looking for somebody who looks identical to you after jillian's birth mother reached out they talked to each other for about two weeks texting back and forth consistently finally jillian and her birth mother decided to meet jillian wasn't comfortable going to the meeting alone so she took a friend her birth mother brought her sister Jillian's maternal aunt. All of the ladies gathered for a reunion lunch together. It was the most surreal experience I could ever say because it was just like you're looking at these two people who look almost identical to you and, you know, their mannerisms, the way they say certain things. But that was as far as it went, you know, like our hobbies, the way we grew up, everything else are like night and day. Oh, really? In what ways? And it was How so bizarre. That? None of them had wanted to further their education. So none of them had gone to college while I'm in college and have very large career goals. And, you know, I'm more of an introvert and they're all extroverted and they like, you know, going on vacation and I'd rather stay home. And like, we were just polar opposites in every category, like as we go down the list. And I'm very religious. They're not like, it was just so funny as we'd continue to be like, oh, well, do you like this? No. And I'd be like, oh, well, I love that, you know? And it's amazing how much growing up in a different environment makes you a completely different person. Yeah. And I didn't realize kind of where the pitfall was with me and my birth mom, like the end of our reunion. But I, I really think that's what it was. She was relying too much on the biology of it. And you could be biologically related to somebody, but you're really strangers at the beginning of it. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah, it's a really good point. You go into this extremely heavy connection that has no foundation. There's no true connection until you explore who one another are. And then it's only after you sort of, and sometimes that happens really quickly for people. Some people will immediately have connections. They can have exactly the opposite experience of what you had, which is they meet, they find they have everything in common and they have mannerisms and, and you know, the way they speak and, and the things they like. And that period is so brief because they immediately discover that they're so connected. But for you, it was exactly the opposite. And so the foundation of sort of who you guys 
are as family just was it sounds like non-existent by yeah. virtue of your di your you know sort of divergent backgrounds huh? huh and it was definitely interesting because i i learned a decent amount of information you know like she didn't have any prenatal care when she was pregnant you know so it kind of explains that some of the health issues i had because i was premature i was born incredibly early and i never understood why and that explains that partially you know nobody knew she was pregnant up until the day she went into labor wow so i thought that was interesting i mean that's fascinating how did you feel when you heard about the fact that she didn't sort of get any care and and it was tied to some of the medical issues that you've had what what went through your mind when you learned that initially being the people pleaser that i am i was like oh that's okay you know it's not your fault but now when i look back on it as i've processed it in therapy i'm disappointed i'm not placing blame on her because i can only imagine going through that situation when she's 17 years old right. but it's disappointing right because you know what was possible and what should have happened and unfortunately yeah. it didn't and yeah. you are left to live out your life with the consequences of that inaction exactly jillian and her birth mother were in reunion for six months coincidentally she and her birth mother have birthdays in december so when the holidays rolled around, which can be an emotional time of family connection for people, Jillian said she tried to go into that time of year without expectations. But unfortunately, we didn't communicate enough on that front, on what we wanted out of the relationship, on what we, you know, how often we wanted to see each other on, you know, that type of stuff. And if I were to be in reunion with another family member, I think that would be one of the first things I would do is kind of set a foundation because that's the thing we struggled with the most. And I think that's really where it fell apart was on the communication side. How would you go about setting that foundation differently? I think I'd probably go into it, you know, like how often would you like to see me? What's reasonable for you? Would you like to communicate every day or once a week? Because my birth mom wanted to talk every day and I don't know if she was trying to overcompensate or, you know, because my mom's not around anymore or if she felt like she had to make up for lost time or I, I don't know because I never asked directly, but it was very overwhelming as somebody who is used to being pretty independent. It was like, okay, now I feel like I'm almost being suffocated. But then when I didn't answer her, she'd get upset. So I'm like, okay, well now what do I do? So it was hard to kind of, balance that. So I think that would be one of the first things if I were to do it over again, or, you know, with somebody else, I would kind of set boundaries to be a little bit more stricter. Like, you know, we could talk a couple of times a week and we can go out like twice a month and, you know, cause she wanted to see me every week. And it, it was just very overwhelming in the beginning. I'm, I'm glad you raised that because I realized I didn't really ask you about the details of the reunion itself. Like, can you tell me how did that go you took a friend and she brought her sister how did your reunion go tell me the story of you actually linking up so the reunion went well my birth mom i think i don't want to say she was in shock but my friend and i joke that she was kind of like a deer in the headlights for half the time <laughs> because she just kind of sat there and like didn't really say much and if i could go back and kind of re watch that situation i can see that her sister kind of 
overtook the conversation. And her sister was part of the reason that her and I are no longer talking. So that kind of explains it. Her sister is very protective over her. But I don't want to say it went good or bad. I would say indifferent, you know, for the first time you're meeting that kind of person, you know? Yeah. Did you get a hug? Was it a handshake? Did you just kind of stay? No, I got a hug. And, you know, we walked up to each other. We got out of our cars and gave each other a hug. And she definitely was very overwhelmed. And, you know, none of us really ate. We were just all kind of staring at each other. (laughs) And that's when we started having those conversations like, oh, well, what do you like to do? And I like to do this. And it's like, oh, well, you know, this, that and the other thing. And I, I left and I remember like driving home with my friend in the car and I just like cried the whole way home. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because I'm overwhelmed or because I'm sad that they're not who I want them to be or like I couldn't pinpoint what it was and I couldn't pinpoint what it was throughout the whole reunion. But now when I look back on it, it I think it really was because they weren't who I pictured them to be the whole 27 years. I didn't know them. Reunion can be so tough because it's hard not to go into the situation with some kind of expectation. It's impossible to have a blank slate for a mindset. Our minds just won't accept that kind of void as we think about who our biological relatives could be, especially approaching or early in an adoption reunion. Jillian's birth mother has another daughter 10 years younger than Jillian. They planned to meet twice, but each time Jillian's half-sister backed out right before they were scheduled to connect. Jillian told me she understood her half-sister's trepidation about their introduction because the sister didn't know about her until Jillian found their mother. They finally met a little over a month into Jillian's connection to her maternal side. If I was 19 and somebody told me I had a half-sister 10 years older than me, I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, you didn't tell me after all this time? So I get why she did that, but it's hard not to take it personally because... I'm not the one who didn't tell her. I'm just trying to build a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And when we did meet, it went terribly. Oh, what happened? I don't know if it was just because she's a 19-year-old and didn't want anything to do with anybody, or she didn't want to meet me, or her mom forced her to be there. I don't know. But it was like literally pulling at straws to have a conversation with her. And it was very defeating for me because I'm an only child. So I so badly wanted that sisterly connection in some capacity. And I was like, oh, I finally have a sister, you know, and it didn't work. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's really tough. I feel you on the only child thing, too. I've often wondered, is a sibling going to come out of the woodwork at some point? Right. It's, it hasn't happened, but yeah, I'm with you. It would be nice, but it would be nice if it was going to be a positive relationship. Yeah, exactly. Jillian said her birth mother was vague about her pregnancy, only revealing that she was 17 when she got pregnant and she turned 18 the week before she gave birth. That was all. She wasn't very open with information like medical history, which Jillian has requested a half dozen times or so. Jillian said after she and her birth mother stopped speaking, she sent the woman a text saying that even if they weren't speaking, she would at least like some medical history. But the woman never responded. It's frustrating because it's not like I'm asking her to give me personal information. It's information that I'm entitled to. And I literally have no other way to get it. I don't know if there's something in there that she doesn't want to divulge. 
and she's ashamed of because her trend so far seems to be that she avoids things that she's like, quote unquote, done wrong and doesn't want to talk about them. So who knows? But that's the only thing I can think of. But even then, I'm old enough to handle it. Right. That's one of the things that I think a lot of adoptees struggle with is the fact that sometimes we're treated with kid gloves because we're still seen as the child. Yeah. And we're full on adults who have accepted all of the consequences and responsibility for having gone into a search. And we are also responsible for our own health. And the best way to manage that is with all of the information possible which starts with biological relatives. And when they deny you that, it's just, it's so selfish. It really is. Jillian said she and her therapist refer to her birth mother as a skittish kitten. When you say the wrong thing to her, she runs the other direction. Sensing that early in their reunion, Jillian wanted to warm up to the woman and get comfortable with her before she started asking questions about her birth father. About a month into reunion, Jillian asked about who her birth father was and the circumstances for her conception. Jillian was conceived on prom night, but her birth mother would only give Jillian a first name for the man she had been with. She and her search angel started looking for him, and by this time, Jillian had submitted a sample to Ancestry DNA to expand her possibilities for finding family matches. At the time we talked, Jillian had only found a great aunt on her paternal side, but none of the men in that great aunt's family matched the name Jillian was given by her birth mother. So Jillian figures there are two possibilities. The man lied about his name. Or my birth mother lied to me. But let's think about this for a second. On prom night, how likely are you to be with a person you don't know enough to be able to identify? Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like she is has a lot of shame for... Yep how you were conceived and how possibly how she was treated too. You know, yeah. I think you know how challenging it was for women to be pregnant out of wedlock at a young age. And, you know, it was every probably everything from her dad and her mom to her community and everything that coincided with it. So yeah, a lot of shame. And it's probably really, really tough for her to reach back to those pieces of her memory and be honest with you about what happened. It's got to be tough. Yeah. So you're not able to find him is what I'm hearing. We've kind of hit a wall because we've reached out to the people because the family that the great aunt is attached to, there's three brothers. And we've reached out to all three brothers. And by we, I mean the search angel with me attached to it. and. We have gotten one no, and the other two has, haven't responded. So, you know, we tried. Yeah, that's all you can do. Well, hopefully over time, you know how this goes, more and more people submit, yeah. and more and more possibilities for a connection are going to pop up. So it should, be, it should be interesting to see how this unfolds for you going forward. Oh, I'm very curious. Yeah. What do you think if you do, let's just play out a scenario where you do get a paternal connection and somehow you're able to figure out who the biological father is, do you think you'll go back to her and say like, hey, I got some news for you or? I don't, I don't think so. Only because there's been a couple opportunities over the past or 
over the past year since we've stopped communicating where I've tried to reach out to her and have either gotten a nasty remark back or just gotten no response. So it's just not really worth my breath anymore. And it's a shame because, and I hate to, you know, say this because I know pretty much everybody should be in therapy for some reason or another, (laughs) but the whole family needs to heal from a lot of things that they have probably dealt with. I don't know personally what they are, but they need to heal from things that they have dealt with before they can judge the things that other people have gone through. And that was another part of the reason we cut ties because her sister was so judgmental about a lot of the mental health struggles that I deal with. And I wasn't going to deal with it because I just don't have time for it. What form did that take? How was, how did that judgment come at you? So I guess it was middle of January, right before we cut ties. I had gone into a really bad depressive episode and I had been talking to my birth mom, you know, she had been reaching out to me like she normally does. And I had been trying to explain to her, you know, I have depression, I'm on medication, you know, I, I need my medication adjusted, you know, I'm in therapy a couple extra times a week, you know, and I'm trying to be proactive with it. And her sister's like, Oh, well, I don't understand why you're depressed. You have an apartment and you have a nice car and, you know, saying the quote unquote generic things that people say to try and make you feel better. Yep. And I tried to explain it to them over and over and over again. And that wasn't necessarily the straw that broke the camel's back, but it didn't help because at this point in my life, I just don't have the tolerance for people like that. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. You've dealt with enough of it probably leading up to this point. You don't need uh-huh. a new relationship that frankly sounds like it wasn't going super well to begin with to also be piling on in the same way that you don't need it to be piling on, right? Exactly. Especially if we're going to be that close. Yeah. It would be different if we were acquaintances that I would see, you know, once a month, you know, every so often or my neighbor or whatever. But if you're going to try and communicate with me every day, you need to kind of broaden your horizons and learn about me a little bit more. But she wasn't willing to even educate herself. And that's that's where I get frustrated. Yeah. The willful ignorance is incredibly frustrating. May I ask if you don't mind, and it's okay if you don't feel like talking about this, but in terms of a depressive state, what do you need from people when you're feeling that way? When it, when you've when you've hit a low point, because I think a lot of times folks will say, "Oh, you seem fine," you know, hey, "Cheer up," right? But what do you actually need from people when you're feeling that episode? I think one of the biggest things is me having control over communication, you know, like I get really overstimulated easily. So people constantly texting me or calling me like, Oh, are you okay? What can I do? You know, they mean well, and I understand that, but it gets very overwhelming. So, you know, me texting like one or two of my like core people saying like, I need this, or can I come over? You know, do you want to go for a walk or like keeping it kind of like a smaller social circle is really beneficial because it just can get like really overwhelming at that point. And I really think just like 
keeping things almost as normal as possible because I, I do have some people, not as many as I used to in my life who would get very like overbearing. So it's similar to kind of getting overstimulated. I have people who would get very overbearing, like, oh, you know, you need to, you know, go do this and this and this and this. And it's like, okay, like, you know, I've dealt with this a lot. So please stop telling me what to do. Like, I know what to do. And if I really need help, I'll reach out. Like I've done that before. That's helpful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people want to support folks who suffer with depression and sometimes don't know what to do. And that's kind of, they probably feel like they want to throw someone a lifeline and they just throw it. Now I'll throw it and you catch and all right, I'll throw yeah. it again. Just catch it. Right. And it's like this constant barrage of what they, what they believe is a, a lifeline when in fact, you know, it sounds like you kind of just need to float there for a little while and let the thing pass. And I could see how it would be overbearing to have people outside of that inner circle of support be trying to, you know, reach in and, and pull you out. I'm glad you clarified that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thinking about Jillian's adoptive father, the only thing he knows about the status of her reunion is that she and her birth mother are no longer talking. She said she and her dad don't talk about deep stuff very much, partially because he's not a very deep guy, in her words. He had asked me one day to quote him. He said, are you still talking to that lady? Wow. And I looked at him like he had three heads and I was like, who are you talking about? Like, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, the lady that lived in Highbridge. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, I put two and two together and finally figured it out. And I said, oh no, we stopped talking a couple months ago. And he said, oh, okay. And that was the end of it. Well, I think sometimes people just aren't prepared and they don't want to face this either. Like, same way your birth mother was not or has not yet been able to face sort of what she's been through and speak openly about it with you or at least divulge medical history. Like it sounds like your birth, your adoptive father is not in a position to sort of acknowledge what has transpired since they revealed you were adopted. Like Exactly. He's probably been living with that. Obviously, he was living with that secret, but like living in fear of that secret revealing itself. And then his daughter walked right up to him and said, hey, I got a question. <laughs> and now they were, you know, <laughs> forced to try to explain away missing pieces of history. And he's probably never felt good since. And it's just, yeah, it's too bad to hear that even though he may lack depth, that he also lacks empathy to say things like, do you still talk to that lady? Like, you know who the lady is. Don't call her that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, I'm used to it with him, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah. That's why I can laugh when I say it. That's why, you know, I don't even bother telling him because it's not going to get me anywhere. As we wrapped up our conversation, I was really curious to know if Jillian would do anything different along her journey. Jillian paused for a long time as she thought. She admitted it was a good question. She started to say yes, referring to setting stricter boundaries with her birth mother, as she alluded to earlier, but she changed her mind. Looking back on it and looking at myself where I'm at right now, I don't see her being a part of my life. Like, I don't see her fitting in my life. I see her in my life for the por portion that she was. I was able to recognize that, you know, being a religious person, that God 
put me with my adoptive parents for a reason because I was able to obtain an education and still be able to continue my education and obtain a lot more mental health resources than I guarantee I would have been able to with my birth mom because she doesn't understand or doesn't want to understand any of it. And it kind of just shows me that, you know, I needed to meet her to realize that. And that's kind of the headspace that I've been in since a little bit after we stopped talking. And I just don't see her really fitting in my life anymore because I'm making such big changes for myself, especially over the past couple months Mm. that I just don't really see her like growing as I am because she's still stuck pretty much at the age of 18 when she gave birth to me because she's still stuck at that traumatic event because she never dealt with it. Yeah, that sounds right. I couldn't help thinking as you were speaking, you triggered in my mind the saying that people come into your life for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. And it sounds like potentially she came into your life for a reason to align you with the fact that you were placed in your family where you got care, love, resources, opportunity, everything. And and sometimes that has to be enough. Can you go back for a second? You said that you're making a lot of changes in your own life. What are you changing these days? So I've been, over the past couple months, I've been kind of looking into different ways to treat my depression. So I started getting ketamine treatments for my depression over the past month. And that's been really effective. And I've seen like a really big increase in my mood and just my overall affect. And I've been able to concentrate on school more. And it's just been really beneficial. And I'm back in school full time. I'm planning on graduating with my associates in May. And, you know, I've just overall been growing as a person, you know, I'm really like challenging myself in different areas that I never thought I would be able to because mentally I just couldn't. That's amazing. I love that you've found something that's allowing you the focus and balance. It sounds like that's helping you to thrive and allowing you to challenge yourself in new ways that you doesn't, it doesn't sound like you were able to before. That's really awesome. Yes, I'm very grateful for it. That's good. I'm really glad to hear that, Jillian. Well, I appreciate you taking time to be here with me tonight. This was really good. It was important to hear. Yeah, it was important to hear that you sort of recognized that there was something you needed to ask your parents and that it led you down this journey, which has basically led you back home, right, to a place of thankfulness. But I'm most encouraged by the fact that you've found a therapy that is really helping you to build on who you are, that you're about to graduate. You've got big plans ahead. It just sounds awesome. So I'm really happy for you, Jillian. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with everything going forward. I wish you all the best, okay? Thank you. Take care. I'll talk to you another day. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. Jillian asked her birth parents a basic question. Do you have any pictures of mom when she was pregnant with me? And the answer revealed she was adopted, an answer Jillian wasn't prepared to explore until many years later. When she found her birth mother, the woman only gave her partial answers about Jillian's origin story. She seems to have withheld the identity of Jillian's birth father and refuses to share any medical history with her for whatever reason. 
I want to reiterate what Jillian and I said when we chatted. We adoptees who found our birth parents are most often adults, capable of handling hard truths about choices that were made in the past or medical conditions we might be living with. But withholding medical information is unnecessarily cruel. When an inherited condition or chronic disease is lurking in our body, the birth parent has knowledge of it but doesn't share it, and we the adopted person could be doing something proactively to manage the condition early or prevent it entirely, that's pretty cold. We might be strangers to you in reunion, but we're undeniably related through our shared DNA. Adopted people deserve to have their own health history, regardless of another person's fragile feelings about the past. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you've found something in Jillian's journey that inspired you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I really? If you would like to share the story of your adoption and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow me on Instagram at Damon L. Davis and follow the podcast at WAI Really. If you like the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating in your podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Your ratings really do help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out my story in my memoir, Who Am I Really? Available on Amazon, Kindle, Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.